Good morning. Great to see you. Thanks for being here. Today we're going to continue our series on leadership in the church called Disruptors. The idea that God anoints leadership and that leadership disrupts the status quo, which leads God's people forward into the purposes of God to grow his kingdom, to bring glory to Jesus. Uh, We're going to talk about today the church as a family, leaders as mothers and fathers, and it's a great privilege to have Julia Benedel joining me a little bit later on for an interview where she's going to bring her own insights into what that means and her experience of that over the years. After that interview, I'm going to talk a little bit about leadership here at City Church. What does it mean? What does it mean to be mothers and fathers? What does it mean to be men and women and leaders here at City Church as well? So all that's coming up. Um, I'm going to pray and then we'll make a start. Father, I thank you so much for your great leadership of us. Thank you, Lord, that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that you are our father. Thank you, Lord, that you treat us uh, with great love, with great care, but also with challenge. Thank you that you bring challenge to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you lead us so well. I pray that you do that this morning as we look into your word, as we consider these ideas that we find in the pages of the Bible. Help us, Lord Jesus, to change in the presence of your Holy Spirit as we ask him to lead us and guide us. Amen. Firstly, I'd like to read some verses from 1 Timothy 5, just the first verse there. Don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The Bible uses a number of metaphors in the Old Testament and the New to describe his people and the church. And there's a whole list of them. I'll give you some of them here. The metaphors that are used are as an army, as a, as a priesthood, God's people like a vine, God's people as a building or a flock or a body or a bride, a house, a temple. And today, want to look at the metaphor of family, that God's people are a family. Now, all of those pictures, those metaphors, all of them are, are helpful and useful, worthy of study, and each one gives a different insight into how God's people, God's family, God's church functions and works, how leadership might also function and work inside of that metaphor. But today, as I say, I want to focus really on family, and we see that language there in the verse from 1 Timothy, a language of family. As Paul writes to Timothy, instructing him about how to lead the church, he's saying, this is how it is to be among you. Think about each other like this. Of course, uh, in God's church, there are all sorts of people. We are not literally one uh, kind of biological family, but we are a spiritual family. And Paul is saying, look, that's how to relate one to another. Think about it like that. And that's what I'd love us to do this morning. It's a very prevalent metaphor throughout the Bible. Starts very early on and goes right to the very end. Um, And it's so prevalent, it's almost hard to know where where do you start? Where do we start in terms of getting an understanding of this? I suppose a good place to start would be in Luke 11, where Jesus says, this is how to pray. Think about prayer. Start like this. In Luke 11, Jesus says this. When you pray, say, Father. Father. And immediately we have the image 
of family right there at this most basic of Christian teaching. When you pray, say, Father. And so we, have a, we start to have in our minds a family structure, a relationship uh, with our Heavenly Father. God introducing himself, demonstrating, showing, helping us understand of, of the family of God underneath the Father's care. But it's actually way back in Exodus where God introduces this idea for the first time in the Bible. And we read in Exodus 4, we, what, the picture here is of, of Moses before Pharaoh. You remember the story of, of the Exodus as, as God's people were being oppressed in Egypt uh, by the Pharaoh and Moses was approaching the Pharaoh numerous times to say, let, let the people go, release us from this slavery. We need to go follow God. And here are the instructions to Moses as he approaches Pharaoh. When you uh, go to Pharaoh and say, it says in Exodus 4, 22, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And there we, is the first time in the Bible we have the idea of God as, as father and of his people as his children. And there, the language helps us. Israel, he's my firstborn son. And of course, there we see embryonically the whole of God's people over time, and the church is part of that. Israel's my firstborn son. We're part of a family. And this continues the Old Testament, where God emphasizes that the, this, this picture of a relationship between God and his people. In Psalm 135, we read that God sees that not just as a, as a function, but with real affection. And in Psalm 135.4, we read this. For God has chosen Jacob for himself. Jacob being sort of a, a, a bridge term for all of God's people. The Lord has chosen Jacob for himself. Israel for his own special treasure and possession. That's such, a, such affection in that description of what it means to be God's people. They are, you are, we are his special treasure. You see uh, new parents with their children and, and you see how they relate and just the joy of having these tiny ones. And, you, and, and that's the language of that kind of picture, isn't it? These are my special treasures. And it's beautiful and it's how God sees his people. In fact, when God first chooses Abraham as father of a nation, uh, and he, he introduces the idea that that will be a blessing, this is how he puts it in Genesis chapter 12, still very early on in the revelation of Scripture. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And this is uh, so that... You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families on earth will be blessed. What God is saying is, I'm going to make your family bless all the families. They see again the language, the understanding, the metaphor of family life right at the heart of the Bible. So all the families on earth will be blessed through Abraham. Of course, just as with Adam and Eve, remember we've done a series on Genesis, just as with Adam and Eve, where as Adam need, needed Eve and Eve needed Adam to uniquely, all their uniqueness together, only together, could fully image God as was the intention. Uh, so that, there's that picture. We see that again replicated in Abraham and Sarah, his, his wife. Abraham couldn't be the blessing 
without Sarah. It wouldn't happen. They needed the uniqueness of each other to come together. They're coming together of that. And out of that came the blessing to all the families and all the nations. Let's just take a a little pause at this moment because we are talking about disruptives and we're talking about leadership. And here's maybe a a disruptor moment in our own thinking. We need a a disruption of ideas of leadership maybe right now as we're starting to talk about family and fathers and mothers. I'd like you to imagine right now, picture in your mind, please, the, the leader of a corporation, huge corporation, maybe a, a kind of business leader. I, when I was thinking about this, I thought about those Dragon's Den guys and girls, those, those ladies and men. I, I just imagine them sitting in their seats and you know, I, I, to be honest, I'm often shouting at the screen at those young entrepreneurs saying, don't give away all the equity. That's, that's what I'm doing. But, uh, but imagine those, um, those people. Have you got that in your head? I hope you have. Now, just, a, just as a little disclaimer, we have some fantastic business leaders in our church. I'm not wanting to be disparaging of them. But I do want to make a, a point. So imagine those, those kind of leaders, those corporate leaders, if you would please. Now, set that image to one side. Now, I want you to think about the leader of an institution. Most helpfully, probably, think of, think of politicians that you see regularly on the TV. Have them in your mind. You might want to think of one or two, maybe some that you uh, would, would like and some that maybe you don't. I'm sure we will have our opinions. Many of them will be different, which is, which is great. Now, here are the questions I want you to think about when you're thinking of those two pictures. What kind of relationship might you expect to have with those people that you have in your mind, the corporate leader or the institutional leader? What, ex- what expectation of the relationship? What do you expect from them? What do you expect of them? Think about that for a moment, please. Now I want to flip the picture. Now I want you to think about family, about mother and father about those kinds of leadership. How do you relate to them? What do you expect of them? What do you expect from them? The church, brothers and sisters, is a family, not a corporation. It's not an institution. And therefore, it requires a very different kind of leadership. We need to have that in our head if we understand the outworking of this very biblical metaphor for God's people. We started with the Apostle Paul. Let's return to him again in 1 Timothy 1. I'll read these first two verses to you. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To, To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul again and again talks about Timothy as his dear son or his true son, his faithful son. He uses that family language to talk about someone who in a corporate structure would be very subordinate to him. That would be very strange in in the corporate world to talk about someone working for you as your dear son. But that's the language that Paul chooses, and he chooses it carefully. Why? Because this is not a corporation. This is not an institution. 
This is really a family. These relationships are real. It's not just a language to be used. It's an experience to enjoy, to be part of with God as Father. Men and women, brothers and sisters together. Mothers and fathers given to lead. When Paul actually is uh, later described the qualifications for a, a leader, it's skill and diligence in the home that he looks to first. He says, actually, he says, look, if you're going to lead in God's family, we need to look at, at the family that you started with, your, your biological family. How is that going before we think about God's family? Now, as we've got those images swirling around in our head, let's deal with a couple of objections or possible objections. Someone might say, that's all very well, but my experience of family, of father and mother, has been very negative. It's, actually, it's been abusive. It's been really damaging. Others might say this. They might say, look, hang on, isn't this idea of the, the nuclear family, isn't it very insular, very exclusive, very Western, maybe even very white? Do we, do we really want that? Is that really what you're saying? Let me try and answer those two objections. Firstly, just let me, let me say this. God is inviting you to be his child. That is what he's doing. To become part of his family. He's demonstrated his deep love, his lasting love for you in sending Jesus to rescue us. There is a, a father's love that can be trusted and enjoyed. It's empowering, it's expansive, it's deep and wide. I'd like to gently encourage you with the help of trusted friends, the Holy Spirit working within you to open a window to begin to trust God as Father. My dear friends, there are worlds of grace and wonder that await you as part of a family like that. Secondly, what about this objection of the, the sort of nuclear family as, as limited and insular? Well, let me just say that the, the biblical picture of family really isn't like the sort of 1950s uh, picture that might come to mind when we think about family. The the biblical idea of family really is very expansive. It's outward looking. There are all kinds of instructions in the Old Testament about making sure that was the case, about welcoming in the foreigner, welcoming in the stranger into the home. There's the, in the New Testament, the picture of the, 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 picture of the, new, of the good Samaritan, the importance of, of helping people who are not, like, are not like you. The biblical picture of family is welcoming. It's hospitable. It's concept of hospitality is right through the Bible, that God welcomes us into his home, into his family, and we should be doing the same as his church, as his people. And that doesn't mean just, well, come for a meal. That means come into my life and come and be part of your life. It's a much bigger idea than maybe a limited idea of hospitality. There are blessings in the relationship of family, of course, and that's true and they bring security and people from families that are working well they know something of that but listen the idea the biblical idea of families that that blessing isn't just to be kept inside the walls of our home it's to be shared 
It's to be a blessing. That's, that was the promise to Abraham. That was the, the blessing given to Abraham and Sarah. I'm going to bless you for what purpose? So that you can be happy? No, so that all the nations and families on earth would be blessed through you. A sharing of God's blessing, an openness, a, a generosity, a magnanimity of spirit. That means big-heartedness. Sharing what God has given beyond ourselves. So not just that their own offspring would increase, but that God's kingdom would increase. That's the hope of God's family. Not just, well, I hope we have children. Maybe one day we'll have grandchildren. No, that God's kingdom in all its multicolored glory would increase as a result of the blessings to a family. It's a beautiful picture. It's God's church. It's God's family. And this is the picture of the church with fathers and mothers serving under God as father. Let me just talk about a few things, just six things that mothers and fathers uniquely bring into this picture of God's church. Fathers and mothers believe more about their children than children believe about themselves. (laughs) Mothers and fathers look at their children and think, oh, I see embryonically in you something that could be a great blessing to you and others and I'm going to encourage you into that even if you don't see it yourself even if it takes you a long time to believe it about yourself I want to help you do that that's what mothers and fathers do that's what God's uh, mothers and fathers in God's church do mothers and fathers lead with love and wisdom um, now, now, love would, would desire to give you everything you want, <laughs> and wisdom knows when to hold back. <laughs> and there's a balance of those two things. There's a, there's a mixture of love and wisdom as mothers and fathers lead well. Mothers and fathers, and th- fathers thirdly, lead with self-sacrifice. I remember when our firstborn, Abby, was born m- many years ago, but I, I remember this overwhelming sense that, my goodness, and it was no, there's no nobility in myself about it, except it was a surprise emotion. I'm thinking, I would give my life for her in an instant, without thought, if necessary. Because that's what mothers and fathers do. They, they would give themselves for their children. That's just the way it is. And that's how it needs to be in the church. Mothers and fathers encourage their children to go take on the world. Mothers and fathers know it's not our job to keep this family inside these walls forever, much as sometimes you might want to do that. No, they need to go take on the world. And mothers and fathers release their children to go and do that when they lead well. Fifthly, mothers and fathers bring order and stability Mothers and fathers are not off on their own self-seeking harebrained schemes. No, they are committed to making this family all that it could be, to nurture the new generation through, up and out. And finally here, mothers and fathers lead with a long table. The security that they enjoy, the stability that they build in is not just for themselves, The long table means that the doors are open, particularly, might I say, particularly open to those who haven't enjoyed that stability, who haven't enjoyed 
what they have enjoyed in terms of a family. But they, that love and encouragement is to be shared. It's a long table. Now we're going to take uh, a break from me. Um, and it's with great joy that we introduce an interview here with Julia Benedel, who's going to talk about her own experience of mothers and fathers and leadership. It's fantastic to have Julia Benedel with us today. Of course, Julia is a senior leader here at City Church. Julia oversees our pastoral care teams, um, and she looks after the people who are looking after all of us. And so it's great to have Julia with us. Julia, uh, you've got some real insights into uh, leaders as mothers and fathers, particularly in the church. Um, so why don't you begin by just unpacking a bit of where, where might you find something in scripture that leads you to that conclusion? Andy, thank you. Um, so Paul writes to Titus something that is ultimately a pastoral letter. Um, so we've been looking at Titus 2 in this regard. And what he's really saying to Titus is that we are called to live out the truth of God's way um, in, a, uh, in a way that's compelling and beautiful to people around us. Um, and that includes people who share our faith and those who don't. Um, and that when we do this, when we um, live wisely in God's way in his world, it's so much more persuasive to the people around us than any intellectual arguments for faith. And I've been doing a study of Proverbs with a number of women at City Church, and it's just been such a good reminder of how we are urged to pursue wisdom. And that when we do this, when we make this our highest treasure, you know, an understanding and reverence of who God is and how to live in a godly way, it's a path of blessing and abundance, not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. So that we become wise when we walk with our wise God, and we become wise when we walk with other people who are wise. So I'm really inspired by the idea of um, us all being like outposts of grace and wisdom in the world, and signposting people to God and how we can live in his world with wisdom. And so wisdom is often associated, or at least it should be associated with, with mothers and fathers. Of course, we, we all know that that's not always the case. Some people's experience of, of mums and dads is not like that. But yours has been, particularly when it comes to church. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your history uh, with that. So I feel very grateful for some of the older women who invested in me when I was young. So when I was a student, I met up with um, a youth pastor's wife, and I can still remember the content of the conversations I had with her about family life. I'm also really blessed to have um, a mother-in-law who has such a solid, profound faith. And she's constantly inspiring me with what um, a long life walking with God looks like. And now I find that, you know, within a blink of an eye, one minute I was the young student talking to the married woman, and now I am the married woman. And I have the privilege of um, meeting up with students and younger men and women. Um, and I really know what a blessing 
these relationships are for me too, just to be accountable to other people for how I live my life. It really helps me to be so much more aware of what I say and I do and the choices I make. Um, I often again think of um, the proverb that talks about our relationships being like iron sharpening iron and how we need to be in those sorts of relationships where we can be challenged. Yeah. Um, and when um, um, it's such a beautiful and compelling picture of, of kind of uh, mothers and fathers teaching sons and daughters and yet, culturally, it's quite counterintuitive, isn't it? It doesn't really sit well in the culture that we find ourselves in. Um, how could you, and what would you say to maybe young, younger people who, who, for whom the culture says, just abandon all that's gone before and make your own way and find your own truth and find your own path? What advice would you give to, to those who might think that way? Gosh, Adi, it immediately calls to mind for me the commandment to honour fathers and mothers that your days might be long. <laughs> um, and of course, that doesn't just mean our biological fathers and mothers. There's also something in God's wisdom of saying, look to the people who are older um, and more mature in their faith. Look to your sort of spiritual authority figures because their wisdom is going to be kind of life-giving for you. Um, and, and maybe the other thing is um, just a counter to our sort of individualism. I think that, that can, we can also see our faith as something that's quite individual, whereas, of course, God's gift to us is salvation through relationship, and that includes our relationship with him, but it also includes our relationship with each other. Mm. And just to know that at whatever stage of life you are at, whether you are young or old, your growth and change is going to happen in the context of that close relationship. Um, and that's ever been so. I mean, we've had our Genesis series where God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And that was even before the fall. So his intention has always been for us to grow and to fulfill his mandate in kind of close community with each other. Julia, you've exemplified in the way that you, you live um, something that you're describing and as much as you've opened your home to many, many, particularly younger people, younger women, I suppose, maybe in particular, but not exclusively. What advice would you give to people watching today who are thinking, well, that, that sounds, I love what you're saying. How, how can I embark on this kind of, uh, you know, fathering of and uh, mothering of, of those who are coming, uh, coming through the ranks of City Church? So a couple of things. I mean, I, I, I love the fact of being able to open my home. Um, and whenever I think of doing that, I think of a really wise friend who said to me, we tidy up our homes and our lives most for the people that we know least. And to me, that was just an injunction to, to an encouragement to invite people in. And that includes into the real mess of my home and also to some of the messy areas of my life. So there's something about being prepared for people to get really close enough to be able to see how we live and to, to see our less than perfect lives. 
and the testimony of God's mercy and grace to us in this. So I'd say be intentional and invest deeply. Allow people close enough to really be able to see what your life is like in all its orderliness and beauty and messiness. Um, and then I would say also seek out relationships with people who are different from you. You know, people who are at a different life stage, who have a different background, um, who have a different relationship status. Don't just stick with relationships where people are going to tell you what you want to hear, because this is again for our mutual growth and flourishing. Um, and I would say always be looking over your shoulder. Who is it that's coming up behind me whom I could invest in? Um, and we can all be looking over our shoulder. So I'm aware of how um, I have the joy of Damaris um, living in my house and I see her investment in youth. So even though she's a young person, she's already intentionally looking over her shoulder at how she can invest in <clears throat> some of the youth. Um, so yeah, lots of right. examples of that. Julia, I love the idea of uh, allowing people into your, your messy home and life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that's particularly hard for leaders, isn't it? It's hard. For leaders, and maybe why the the idea of leaders as mothers and fathers is really helpful, because leaders often feel as if they have to project an image of just everything being right in their lives, and sort of some kind of uh, holiness that maybe is is a false front. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, what you're saying, it seems, is that to, to really help people, to really encourage people, is to to let people see beyond that facade. Mm. into some of the challenges the unresolved issues maybe even yeah uh, the things that you find and continually find difficult in faith and in life yeah yeah <clears throat> when I think about what marks out someone as being suitable to do um, pastoral care or leadership I would say it's um, a testimony of God's mercy and grace in their own lives so, you know, to be in that humble place of just recognizing, don't have all the answers, can't do this on my own. Um, and, and maybe that's just an encouragement. You know, if anybody thinks, gosh, I don't feel I know enough, I'm not mature enough. Um, I, I think there's something about um, being open hearted about your struggles with another person and seeking God's wisdom in those. That is hugely helpful. Julia, this is really, really helpful. I know people will be making many notes even as we're speaking. Mm -hmm. I think people so want to participate in the expansion of God's kingdom. They mm -hmm. love Jesus so dearly. And yet sometimes how do I engage in, in that? How do, how, do, how, do our lives, how do our lives line up more closely with the gospel? And I think what you're describing is a very practical way in which that can be accomplished. So... Um, we're going to just leave this here, but thank you so much, Julia, for being uh, with us today. Uh, your insights, as always, are extraordinarily helpful, insightful, and uh, I know people will be uh, just thrilled to have heard uh, what you have to say today. Thanks again, Julia. A pleasure, Andy. Thank you so much, Julia. It was great to hear your insights and wisdom around mothers and fathers of the church.
Okay, so we've talked about the culture of family, of mothers and fathers. The Bible, as you might expect, has, has more to say about how mothers and fathers relate together. It doesn't just talk about parents, actually, as a sort of generic whole. It does talk about mothers and it does talk about fathers. Remember, we, we started with that as Paul makes a differentiation between mothers, fathers, daughters and sons. And it's, it's vital for the health of the church that we do get this right. You see, biblically, fathers are not mothers and mothers are not fathers. They're different. They complement each other. And it's in that complementary relationship where the joy is, where the fruitfulness is, and really where the expansion comes. And that was, that's been true right from Adam and Eve, if you remember our series where we started there a few months ago. Actually, in Ephesians 5, Paul again writing to the church, he describes the way mothers and fathers, husbands and wives relate to each other. And in that passage in Ephesians 5, he says that the husband is to lead. It's very clear but to lead under God's ultimate headship. That's also very important as well. And it's actually to the, to the godliness of that model, of that leadership, where Paul, refer, uh, Paul refers to in 1 Timothy when he describes the qualification of an elder. I alluded to this earlier. And he says this in, in, in 1 Timothy. He says, the elder must lead his family well. Said this, didn't we? But actually, he's referring to the husband, to the father. The elder must lead his family well. If he's going to lead in God's church, he must be able to manage his affairs on that smaller scale well first. So, what about this when it relates to city church, to men and women and leadership? All leadership roles are open to both men and women here at City Church, except eldership. And the unique responsibility that comes with that, which is shaping an authoritative teaching to God's family. The logic being this, that elders are fathers, and fathers can only be men. So what does this actually mean? What this means is that you will hear from both men and women, mothers and fathers, on Sundays. That men and women, mothers and fathers, will lead all the various ministries of City Church, and they do. That women and men will be involved in the prophetic shaping of the vision of City Church, the goals that go forward into the future. They'll be involved in the leading of sites and of church plants, of serving the city with houses for the homeless, of buildings to contain all the ministries that God has brought to us. And that we are committed to the raising of men and women to go further with the gospel. And we're committed to training men and women all towards this end. But let me just say a little bit more. Maybe most importantly of all, we've not always done this well. The church in general and specifically us at City Church. With particular regard, regard to, to women as leaders in the church. And I want to apologize for that right now. You may be a woman a woman listening today and wondering, where do you fit? Are you able to develop as a leader here at City Church? Can you bring your gifts to bear in this family? And I want you to know from all the men and women who lead at City Church that the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, that's absolutely our desire. Those are our plans 
And in fact, not just very future plans, but plans that start today. In fact, they started a long time ago. And that you, if you feel that, yes, I, I, I really want to be part of what God is doing here, then tonight will be a fantastic place for you to start. Eight o'clock, we have a leadership seminar this evening. You can sign up on our website. You can come along and begin to explore God's purposes for you as a leader here at City Church. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you so much for your careful leadership of us. Father, I thank you that we can and should and must and want to call you Father. And I want to pray for all the fathers and mothers who lead here at City Church. I pray your blessing upon them and through them and that family picture to all of us, to the city and beyond. That the blessing that comes with with knowing that we're part of a family, would spill out and through and into all the world. That men and women, boys and girls everywhere would know that God loves them, that he has rescued them. Help us to work these things out in Jesus' name.